Support for IPR comes from Orchestra Iowa, presenting Pops on the River, an outdoor concert experience with songs from the Eagles featuring the Seven Bridges Band and the entire symphony. June 1st at McGrath Amphitheater. Tickets at orchestraiowa.com. It's Monday, the 13th of March. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Grant Gerlach. One bill still alive in the state legislature would remove gender balance requirements for a point of boards. While more women are in Iowa politics than ever before, the state's far from 50-50. IPR's Zachary Oren-Smith reports. Supporters of a bill to remove the gender balance requirement for a point of boards say the requirement isn't necessary. At the same time, the number of gender-balanced boards in Iowa actually decreased by 7 percent between the last two fiscal years. This finding comes from ISU's Carrie Chapman Cat Center for Women in Politics, which researches women's representation in Iowa politics. The Cat Center's Carrie Ann Johnson organizes Ready to Run, which trains women to run for office. She says boosting participation requires education on the process. What I have seen is that people still care deeply. People still want to make their communities the best they can be. And they're still showing up to the workshops trying to get this information. Despite recent setbacks, data shows that since the gender balance requirement was implemented in 2012, there are more women represented. The pace of presidential campaigning in Iowa is accelerating, with former President Donald Trump due in Davenport tonight at the Adler Theater to talk education policy. His event follows visits by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley late last week. DeSantis shared the stage with Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds in Davenport, where he touted how they each responded to the pandemic by banning mask mandates and reopening schools. Minnesota, they were fleeing lockdowns to come to Sarasota and Naples and these places. But when I meet Iowans in Florida, they're happy. They love their state because it's well run. Trump's event in Davenport today is his first event in Iowa since announcing he would run again for president. The U.S. Department of Agriculture predicts food prices won't rise as sharply in 2023, but still could climb 8 percent over last year's rates. Harvest Public Media's Elizabeth Rembert reports how that's affecting grocers. Just a few customers push carts around Woolner's neighborhood grocery and deli in Omaha on a Wednesday morning. Owner Robert Kimball says business has slowed down as his costs have risen up to 15 percent in the past year. Kimball says he's doing his best to keep the lights on and limit price increases for customers. But still, he's seeing fewer folks in the checkout lines. I'm losing some customers just because they can go to a big box chain store and purchase their uh, weekly groceries cheaper than what they could purchase here. Just getting product to the store is a big expense. Kimball says fuel costs were up $8,000 last year, and he expects it to increase more this year. In the last decade, the number of large commercial farms has increased twofold while small farms have rapidly declined. A new report from Iowa State University Extension and Outreach gives insights into changing farm trends between 2011 and 2021. It shows the number of small farms has shrunk 27 percent and seen less acres per farm. Rural sociology professor David Peters prepared the report. He says there are some big consequences to losing small farms. You know, loss of these small farms means that we have fewer people in agriculture. We have fewer kids growing up with some connection to agriculture, and we lose that agricultural heritage of our state. Peter adds that many small farms produce specialty crops such as fruits, and losing small farms means a loss of diversity in the food grown in Iowa. 
The Iowa State women's basketball team took the Big 12 Tournament Championship over Texas yesterday, Iowa State's first Big 12 Tournament title since 2001. Going into the NCAAs, the Cyclones are a five-seed and face 12-seed Toledo on Saturday. They're just one of six teams in the men's and women's brackets from Iowa going into the first round. This is Here First. This IPR podcast is supported by Cultivating Compassion, the Dr. Richard Deming Foundation, fostering causes that enrich the community, generate understanding, and cultivate compassion, including above and beyond cancer. Last week was a busy one in the state legislature. A flurry of bills passed out of the House and Senate, highlighted by a ban on gender-affirming care for minors that reached the desk of Governor Kim Reynolds less than two weeks after it was introduced. IPR state government reporter Katerina Sestarek is here to review what's been happening in the state house and give us an idea of what's next. Hi, Katerina. Good morning, Grant. So Governor Kim Reynolds could sign this bill into law this week that would ban gender-affirming care for transgender youth. How did we get here? We got here very quickly. This bill was introduced just two weeks ago, and Republicans fast-tracked it to the governor's desk. And this would ban puberty blockers, hormone therapy, and surgery for transgender people under the age of 18. People who are already getting this medical care would have to stop treatments or go to another state. And it's part of a national trend in Republican-led states banning treatments for transgender youth. But it, it still came as a bit of a surprise here, as it's not really something that the GOP campaigned on in Iowa. So there were two protests at the Capitol last week against that bill and other anti-LGBTQ measures. What else moved forward despite those protests? The Senate passed a bill that would ban transgender students from using school bathrooms and locker rooms that align with their gender identity. The House passed a bill to ban teaching about gender identity and sexual orientation in kindergarten through sixth grade. And somewhat related to that, the House also passed a bill to ban K-12 schools from having books that are obscene or show or describe sexual acts. The movement by some conservative parents to push this kind of legislation started with opposition to certain books, many of which feature LGBTQ characters and the experiences of other marginalized groups of people. The Iowa Senate also passed the governor's 1,500-page government reorganization bill last week. What was the debate like on that bill? Democrats offered several amendments to that bill to take out some of the most controversial parts of it, like expanding the attorney general's powers and having the governor appoint the director of the Department for the Blind instead of leaving that in the hands of blind commissioners. But Republicans rejected every single one of those amendments. And Senator Jason Schultz led the bill's passage, and he said he was concerned about a lot of those same things after hearing from various groups of Iowans through the subcommittee process. But ultimately, he decided that the governor got everything in the bill right and Republican senators wanted to pass it without any substantive changes. Overall, Republicans said the bill will make state government more efficient and save some money. But Democrats say that several parts of the bill make this a power grab by the governor. So now that bill is headed to the House where it is expected to pass. But will it pass as is or are they likely to make amendments? It's still not clear. Last week, House Speaker Pat Grassley said that House Republicans have been meeting with the governor's office and working through the bill, but ultimately they have to get this done before they can do the state budget. So it's looking like a bit of a time crunch now. So that bill would expand the authority of the governor and attorney general, who are currently both Republicans. But the Senate passed another bill that would limit the power of the state auditor, who's a Democrat at this time. What's going on with that bill? 
The Senate had a bill related to the auditor's office on their debate list last week, and then Republicans amended it during debate to turn it into a different proposal. It would bar the auditor's office from seeing several different types of information unless the agency that's being investigated agrees to make that information available. Republicans in the Senate say that it'll protect Iowans' personal information that isn't needed for routine audits. But State Auditor Rob Sands strongly disagrees. He says it's the most pro-corruption bill to come out of the legislature and that it'll it'll limit his ability to root out waste and fraud in state government, and it could be really bad for Iowa's financial status. Katerina Sestart covers state government for IPR News. Thanks for the update. Thanks, Grant. Thanks for catching this episode of Here First from IPR News. Be sure to subscribe to this and all the IPR podcasts. And for news anytime, go to IPR.org.